Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast with Mike and Laurent. Mike is still out of pocket. I don't know what he's doing. It is Monday, September 19th in this episode, and we'll probably hear this said many times. Arsenal stake their claim to their title in their revenge match versus Brighton. Sun smashes Leicester, and the Queen says her final, no, really, 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 her, her final goodbye to her beloved England. But first, in a short weekend, we're going to go to scores first, and then I'll go through every game. So, we only had seven matches this week, and we will go from Friday night, Nottingham Forest 2, Fulham 3. Oh, Nottingham Forest are having a hard time. Aston Villa 1, Southampton 0. The less talked about this game, the better. There was a VAR controversy, blah, blah, fucking blah. On Saturday, my beloved Manchester City go on the road to Molyneux and defeat Wolves, nil three. Holland with another goal. Uh, more interesting in this game, uh, Jack Grealish scored a goal and he was kicked in the chest. Incredible. Newcastle 1, Bournemouth 1 in the Eddie Howe Derby. Then Spurs at home annihilate a Leicester team on a moment for Hinmin Sun to take over the world. They win 6-2. Leicester, bottom of the table. Ouch. Then on Sunday, Arsenal stake their claim with a 3-0 win at the Community Stadium in West London. And finally, Everton win from my friend, Mr. No- Neil Mopay at home versus West Ham in a modified stretch of a Frank Lampard slash David Moyes Darby of Everton versus West Ham. Wow. What a week. Um, it has been a little muted this week, I think. Um, I think one thing to think about with this sort of queen delay and things is it has taken a little bit of shine off the season. We had some momentum. We had games. You know, you really miss uh, your Chelsea's, your Manchester United's, and your Liverpool's when you're talking about narrative and there's games. It was great for Sun and it was great for Arsenal. But, you know, it really gives you an appreciation for um, the teams in the league, the stories that are happening. You know, we really kind of, if a team doesn't play, their story kind of goes. So Brighton didn't play, Palace didn't play, Chelsea didn't play, and their opponents, they just kind of disappear. And we lose, you know, s- stories from six teams that are just like, poof, gone, leads, no leads, no no uh, MLS USA uh, leads, no Jesse Marsh, no no what's going on with Ten Hag, no what's happening with, with Brighton and Potter, what's happening with... Um, uh, I, I forget who they who uh, Chelsea were supposed to play, but it was a London derby, and it just it gets gets disappeared from the list. And I don't even I don't even remember who they were supposed to play. Now that I look at it, I'm just like looking through the list of teams, and I'm like, oh, who were they supposed to play? I don't even know. Uh, so it kind of oh, it, it may have been, um, yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know who they were would have played. So Chelsea didn't play, and they, they just vanished, and I don't know where they are. So we do miss. <clears throat> We do miss our friends. We miss the sort of drama of the Premier League, but we'll get through it with the narratives that are available to us. And I think the first stop has got to be um, in at Arsenal, going to Brentford and really cruising this game. They really had no problem. Gabriel Jesus scores his fourth goal. And I think the question has to start to be asked, you know, 
is 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 Arsenal really going to mount a title charge? We can go through the game. Uh, this was not a great game for Brentford. They were pretty defensive. Um, Tony didn't really get the ball. I think he, if I'm looking at the stats right now, Ivan Tony literally had 32 touches, just two shots. Really not much going on for Brentford. Five shots total, only two on target. So it's one of these things where are Arsenal really in such a good state right now that they're making their opponents look bad? They're making it look easy. I think that's a sign of a good team. I know this because I watch City all the time. And usually opponents don't really do much. Uh, just going through the scores, Saliba scored uh, early. Then Jesus from Xhaka, a really nice pass. Second half, Fabio Vieira got on the, got on the score sheet and another assist from Saka. Fabio, it was Vieira scores, which is something Arsenal fans have probably wanted to hear for going on 15 years. But then, you know, nothing really came from Brentford. They did their normal 4-3-5-2, kind of a weird mix. They didn't really get anything moving. You know, your Jan Elts, your De Silva's, your Jensen. I'm looking for Norgard. I guess without Norgard, they're not as good. But, you know, it's kind of disappointing. Um, Thomas Frank talked about, you know, hey, this is a big team. And, you know, they didn't have their normal fight. They didn't have their normal physicality. This is a big team. And I think Arsenal can win the league. And I think that's a question that we all have to ask. Um, stranger things have happened. Arsenal can win the Premier League. It is conceivable. But if we think about this team, especially from last year, there's not much change. I mean, sorry, there is change, but personality-wise, it's not significantly different. You know, you have you have Saliba in charge at the back there. And you have Gabriel Jesus, so they do sort of solidify things. I think the midfield's a little funky. Uh, this was a team. This was a game that they played great, and we had been talking about Odegaard being so important. But now they slot in Vieira, gave him seven games to get up to speed. Fabio Vieira, thirty-five million dollar player, now part of that front four, um, really taking the Smith Rowe spot, who I think has been injured. And Arsenal fans can tell me a bit more. But Arsenal dominated this game, and I think the key thing is that. It was easy, and it was an easy, no problem, no sweat off their back to the point that, you know, a little banter going back. There was a famous tweet that was in the um, Arsenal uh, All or Nothing doc where they shared an Ivan Tony tweet that when Tony beat um, Arsenal on the first day of the season last year, he tweeted, oh, just had a kickabout with the boys, and now uh, – um, Arsenal players just having a kickabout with the boys. They replied back. So a little banter, a little a little trouble there. Uh, Jesus was clearly a standout player in this game. Asaka with two assists. Vieira gets his first goal. So everything looking good. But a big, big story here and something fascinating that has kind of taken away, and I don't want to take away from the game itself, but Arsenal and Arteta's mind brings on Ethan Noweri, a 15-year-old making his debut. He's so young, he's he's still in school. He's so young that he was not allowed to change in the team dressing room because he's a minor. <laughs> uh he had only one only two touches, a little bit of one run pass completed, a little bit of a carry, he ran a little bit, didn't really go anywhere, but to have a 15-year-old play in your side is just 
something incredible. An English player must mean the world for him. Now, the history of 15-year-olds of being the, the, if you look at the list of the youngest players who've ever played in the Premier League, there's no stars. So I think the biggest one would probably be Aaron Lennon. So it doesn't bode well for um, for this kid, Ethan Nuari. So we'll see where it comes from. But it's a cool story, bro. And Arsenal Cruz, they're top of the league, seven games through. Um, the argument is they haven't played anyone. Okay. They lost their only game that they played against United. United were good, but I think Arsenal fans will admit and United fans will admit that, you know, Arsenal were okay. They weren't terrible in that game. They easily could have won on another day. Their expected goals is currently second in the league. So they're not too far off. Uh, they are, you know, within the realm of reason where they're overperforming right now. Arsenal have five more goals than their expected goals. So their expected goals, they're five goals ahead and they are two goals behind in defense. So that that's kind of down to Gabriel Jesus. That's kind of down to a couple of players, you know, scoring goals that they probably shouldn't have. They've gotten some good, nice looks on that, but they're playing up to where they should be. They're not too far off of where you'd expect them to be. So Arsenal are in a good place. And uh, I do want to touch on a bit more of Brentford. Um, you know, these aren't the games that Brentford are going to be judged on. You know, they they like to punch above their weight. They like to sort of be physical and take teams on. And it's a shame that they didn't get to play their best because, you know, it would have been nice to have another London rivalry. One thing that the press has brought up that's interesting is maybe Thomas Frank is going to go to Leicester City. Uh, if I were him, I would not go to Leicester City. Um, there's a possibility there because we'll get on to the Spurs game in a minute because of what's happening with Brendan Rodgers. Is Brentford a better job than Spurs, than 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 um, than Leicester? I don't know. Maybe Maybe Thomas Frank isn't there. Maybe the players are noticing it. There's all these little weird psychological things. I mean, the difference between one team and another is very little. So you can sort of get into those spaces of, Where's Brentford's head at? Is he is is his head turned? Does he want to go on and move to another team? I don't know that. I certainly hope not. I certainly hope not. I'd like him to stay there. That takes us on to um, the next game. The next big game would be the Spurs result at home against Leicester. It looks worse than it was. Um, Leicester... Spurs scoring six with a hat trick from Sun in the final 15 minutes. But before that first goal that takes the game to 4-2, it's 3-2. It was a weird game. The first half ended 2-2 on an amazing goal in the 40th minute by um, by uh, Madison. Leicester were okay in this game going forward. Uh, I watched all of it. They were okay. They were hanging in there. They were doing Leicester things, moving the ball through. Uh, Davis Sanchez gave up a goal, gave up a penalty. I don't know why he was in the game. He did end up getting pulled later on. Davis Sanchez gives up a goal to Yuri Tillemans, a penalty. Then Harry Kane on a, you ready? Set piece, uh, <laughs> set piece goal uh, from Kulisevsky, who was in for Sun. Then another set piece goal from Dyer on 20. And then, like I said, um, Lester tied it up on an amazing goal by Madison in the 41st minute. So you go into the half, it's 2-2. Two, two. 
the teams are playing well. Uh, I think the big story here would have been, I think a lot of Spurs fans were calling for it, was that Hin Min Sun had been benched. And where was he? And how's he doing? And, you know, we know that Sonny is a super sensitive guy. He almost, I don't want to say it, but he almost stereotypically has like a very Asian sort of feel of like puts all the pressure on himself and like failing his family. He's taking Spurs as his family and he's letting them down. And you could see that as we go through and, and he scores his goals later on. You could get the sense of relief of sort of like an anger, a sort of feeling that he's been able to let go. I thought the best player in this game for Spurs was Betancourt. Uh, he scores the third goal on a he, – he just bum rushes Wilfred Ndidi who uh, gets an atom ball sent to his back. Clearly, Ndidi's not back up to speed in a Premier League. He'd forgotten that you get the you get the, you get pressed the fuck off the ball. Um, so two set piece goals, a really bad goal on that Ndidi got pressed on, and then after the Betancourt goal, there's a bunch of changes. Sun comes on for Richarlson. Richarlson deservedly got his spot. Sun comes on. He's putting himself about. Things are happening, and then the first goal. That Sun scores another turnover for Betancourt. The first goal is classic Sunny. He's on the break. He's outside the box on the left. He hammers it. Two defenders. He's got them spun around. Two defenders. Top bins. Beautiful. Boom. Spurs up four three. Then ten minutes later, some changes for Leicester. They try and change it up. Vardy comes on. Ianacho comes on. Then from Sun again another turnover. This time Kane. Providing to Sun, which you've seen a million times. Boom. Left foot, top bins. So now Sonny's got two goals. Left foot, right foot. Both incredible. These are outside the box. Amazing goals. And Sun's celebrations are just like, yeah, who the fuck am I? That's that's what it was very much. I'm the man. Don't fucking bench me. You know, nobody's benching uh, Mo Salah after he led the league in goals. Why am I getting benched? He was very upset. He was hurt. He was frustrated. And it showed. And I think like towards the end, as he sort of was releasing and he scored the first and then the second. And then, of course, at the end of the game, he does get a third um, from Hoiberg, who's just like rampaging through the midfield. At this point, Leicester are collapsed and falling apart and don't know what planet they're on. And Sun scores a goal that does get VAR checked. So there was a little bit of an anticlimax on the 15-minute hat trick. But Sun was the story here. Incredible to respond. You know, you have all the, the narrative is, oh, look what happened. He got benched, and then he came on. He changed the game. Uh, and now Conte has this great problem. of What does he do with Richarlison, Sun, Kulishevsky, Kane? Uh, and it's amazing. But Spurs now assert themselves. They have a nice win. Um, they've moved themselves forward. They have a nice goal difference thing here. They have a nice process here. They can feel good going into the break, into the North London Derby. They do play Spur, uh, Arsenal next. And a good win. Even though the XG was the same, that just gives you a sense of how good the goals <laughs> how good the goals from Sun were in that this team, this game was 6-2, but the XGs were the same because Sun's goals were just off the charts, one in a million goals. Uh, incredible stuff from Sonny. He's just a great finisher. He just is such a good finisher. And if he wasn't, I swear to God, if he wasn't named Hinmin Son, he'd be on Barcelona or 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 Real Madrid right now. There is a weird 
unexplained, and you can look into the Jeremy Lin arguments. There are it's actually there an explained bias against uh, Asian athletes. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it means. I don't claim to have any depth into it. It's real. It happened, <laughs> and whatever. Uh, I do want to touch on this. You know, so Conte was excited. Spurs, the players were very much behind Sonny. It was a really good feel good event for Spurs, and I think. Overall, and Mike would be better able to to articulate this, but I don't think that Spurs have played particularly well yet. Um, but they're winning, and that there's another level to Spurs. I think that they can be better. They can really get grooved. They can really kick on. I mean, I can't imagine Son and Kane really playing well together again, getting back to that telepathic connection that they normally have because that hasn't been happening. They've been playing well without it. But when that starts to connect, it can really take off. So right now, Spurs XG is there. They have a plus 11 goal difference, which is second in the league, but their XG goal difference is only plus six. So their, their results are better than how they've played. They're getting more goals than their XG suggested defense is right in line. So they're right there in terms of XG. They are, um, they are third in the league, uh, same as we predicted. So they're right there, um, and I think that they can get better, for sure. I think there's, I don't think there's any doubt about <clears throat> Spurs really improving as the season goes along, and you'd expect Conte to to get them grooving. Now, can he handle? Can he handle managing this whole thing? Can he keep? Can he keep Sun on side? I think Sun is probably one of your easier players, but he could sulk and. You know, we, they've got to try to keep it going and, and see where Kulishevsky goes. I think it's a great season for this sort of stuff because they can rotate which one of the top front three goes in because you have the five subs. So it could be a half hour here, 60 there, 90 there, you know, really mix it up. And I think that's going to be something that that Conte's got to figure out. But they're still not quite sharp yet. Uh, Perisic switched sides. He was getting killed by, by Harvey Barnes. Spurs still giving up goals. I mean, I thought... You know, Leicester were good and Spurs were getting got through. Um, I liked seeing my son Sessignon in the game. So if you ever watch Spurs, please keep an eye on Ryan Sessignon. He's a really good player, really young, has had some injury problems. I picked him up um, when he was at Fulham at 17. And he was playing a winger striker, fullback, scoring 10 and 11 goals. Uh, Spurs bought him. It was late Pochettino. It never seemed to click with him. It's been three managers now. But I think Conte's got him in his sights. He does play him. Uh, he is a nice player. He has a lot of skill. And I'm always going to chat him up because I just like him. And then we go on to my boys. Um, yeah, so Spurs. Spurs Spurs in good shape. We go on to my boys. Manchester City grab all three points against 10-man Wolves. Just easy. Not really a problem. Oh, I should go back before I before I talk before I talk city. Got to talk about Brendan Rodgers. He's done. He's at Leicester. Uh, he's getting eight million dollars a year. I'm not sure. He's not going to quit, but he doesn't strike me as a manager who turns things around. Uh, he's never done it so far. Like. Things declined at Liverpool. He didn't turn it around. He's good on the ascendancy and getting teams to a certain level. And then he kind of peters out and he can't, once his team is in a tailspin, he can't seem to get out of it. Um, 
Lester faltering, having financial problems. Their keeper was awful. He's all over the shop. Watching the game, you can feel the lack of confidence in their keeper. So I can't imagine what it's like on the field. So as you watch Lester, keep an eye on their keeper and see how little communication there is with the defense. So they are now sitting on one point, giving up the most goals in the league. Danny Ward is their uh, is their keeper, and he's just bad. Uh, I don't think he has any history of being <clears throat> a regular keeper. He's played one full season as a keeper at Huddersfield um, in 2016-17, and he had a 66% save percentage, which is terrible. And right now, he's on a 44 a 41% save percentage, which is I it doesn't matter how many shots you face, you cannot give up only make 15 saves on 36 shots. That's on you. You got to be in the 70% range. In the 70% range, he'd be saving their ass. Right now, he's just getting murdered. He's not good. He's not holding that team together. And right now, Leicester have given up the most goals in the first seven games of the season in Premier League history. They're on 22 goals. That's over three goals a game. And they can't defend set pieces. This team is falling apart. And uh, Brendan Rodgers, either he turns it around or he gets canned. So I don't know if he'll make it through this break. What's going on with uh, the brain trust at Leicester? But he should be on the road to fired. And then the dance happens again. Then it's Thomas Frank. Then it's Sean Dyche. Then it's, you know, where does everybody go? So now I can go to my beloved Manchester City, <laughs> who defeat Wolves 3-0 in an easy match. Another easy one. As I've said a million times before, when City score early goals, the game's over. So Jack Grealish gets on the score sheet on a classic Manchester City goal down the wing. De Bruyne to Foden. Foden turns his back, holds it up, then back heels it into a run from De Bruyne on the on the right side. De Bruyne fires it in to two willing runners into the box, goes past Holland. There's Jack Grealish putting in the goal in the first minute. No problem. Easy peasy. Japanesey. You know, not a problem. City have their goal early. Wolves are doing nothing in the first half. Then on 16, Holland. This time he scores from outside the box. So just a quick turnover. Silva gets a hold of it. Bing, bang, boom. Holland in front. Left foot. Takes it home. Scores a goal from outside the box. And you can see Jack Grealish runs into him and says, I didn't know you could score from outside the box. Uh, the next big event in the game is on 33 in the first half. Nathan Collins inexplicably on a ball out to the wing on Grealish's side. Just kicks Grealish in the chest. <laughs> it's just like. I'm just going to go kick this guy in the chest. Uh, Collins had been a really good young defender who had been at Burnley, underrated, uh, played the back half of the season, filling in for me and Tarkovsky during their injuries. He's only 21 years old, had played a full season at championship at 19, coming through Stokes Academy. Really good player, but he lost his mind and tried to kill Jack Grealish. So I don't know what to tell him. So he's there. He's sent off. And weirdly, City drop a gear. Wolves play better. They do create some chances out on the wing. They still don't have a striker. They still don't have a focal point. 
Um, they did get into decent positions, Neto, this guy, that guy, but they really couldn't create anything. A bunch of shots from outside the box. Uh, John Stones uh, playing fullback again, even weirder. Um, so, and then late on, <clears throat> Foden with a nice goal, back heel flick from Kevin De Bruyne, just class all the way. You know, Kevin De Bruyne, Foden. I mean, these things, these players are just like so grooved, so good. City are still the class of the league, but like we've talked about, can Arsenal win the league? Yes, but somehow City have to falter. And I don't know how that happens. Uh, the depth is there. Um, they have got cover for nearly every position. They've got the experience and know-how. They've won this league. It's not really difficult for them. City just get on their bike and go. They have a guy like Grealish who has become a talking point of the week because he was so bad at Dortmund. And, you know, the, the argument is, is he a bust? I posted it on Reddit that I've been frequenting. Is he a loser? Is he ever going to be worth the money? Probably not. Uh, but, you know, does does he need to score more goals? Does he need to get more assists? Jack Grealish says he does. Pep says he doesn't. It's a whole process that they're working through, and I'm not sure quite where that stuff works. but. Um, it is interesting thinking about where the team is, where they're going, where the players go. I've said it before. I thought Grealish was bought for three years down the road. Maybe he takes De Bruyne spot in the center, but I don't see the growth that that De Bruyne had. It, he's the different class, so I'm wrong there. So let's go around the rest of the games. Uh, I think the best game after our big four about where we are and where we're going is <clears throat> and then we'll have some news on my friends from Brighton. Fulham on the Friday night defeat Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest again at home go up a goal early from a, a Jenmi who's been good. The guy they got from Union Berlin. But then um, Fulham are just really good right now. And they score two really good goals following up. A header from Tosin, former City, and then my favorite new player of the season. It all happens in five. So Forrest are up. They get through the first half. Second half on 54, 57, and 60. Boom, boom, boom. Fulham score three goals. Really put Forrest away. <clears throat> so Marco Silva seems to have learned from his first job about some of the pain points of being a Premier League manager. Managers can get better. Managers can get better. And it looks like uh, uh, Fulham as a club have learned, hey, let's not rebuild our whole team. Let's just get key players. And those key players are Jao Paulinha. What a player. He's a big. And Pereira, also really good. They got from United. But Paulinha is the one I really like. Big, six foot two, um, defensive midfielder. Just kicks the shit out of people. He's a really tough motherfucker. <clears throat> came from sporting and won a league with uh with it 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 in the in the in Portugal. So just a good defensive midfielder. He's not gonna get more than five or six goals, but he's a shit kicker. He'll fuck you up. And he's the type of player you need in the Premier League. And he's a big bad bastard. And so um between he and um Harrison Reed, who's a longtime Fulham stalwart, came up playing with the club doing his thing. They both score a goal. It's a low-scoring midfield, but they're tough. 
and they fight and they give it everything that they can. So um, I think people don't realize like Fulham in a championship last season, they scored 100 goals. They were one of the greatest championship promoted sides since in the modern era. Fulham scored 106 goals. They had a plus 63. I mean, this is an incredible side that's coming up and just going from strength to strength, especially as they connect everything through Mitrovic. Incredible stuff. So I really like them. On the on the other on the other side, um, on the other side, Forrest look to be in trouble. Uh, I like Steve Cooper. He's one of these guys I followed from the championship. He took over when Nottingham Forest were, after eight games, un, uh, winless. He takes over that team, and he gets them promoted for the first time in 25 years. That's not a coach you get rid of. He won the U17 uh, FIFA World Cup, comes through the British FA's coaching system. Really good coach, but, and you'll hear it a million times. <laughs> um He's trying to figure out who his best 11 are on the fly because they bought 22 players. And so I don't think he knows who they are. And I think he's got to figure it out on the fly. And he can't rely on any of the players who brought him up because they keep being the ones who blow it. So tougher for us, I think in our preview, I said um, there'll be a team that gets better as the season goes on, but will Cooper be there? That's the issue. He's got to get results. Uh, right now, they're sitting in the bottom three. They're the worst XG team right now. So they've really been shipping goals. They actually are, by advanced metrics, aside from Bournemouth, who had that nine, that plus nine. They are the second worst team in the league. They are deservedly in the bottom three that where they belong. Um, so along with yeah, yeah, other teams. So we'll see where they are. I think the players are – I think the, the funny thing about Forrest is I think the players are there. Can you get them into playing where they need to play before um, before Cooper gets fired? So <clears throat> they got to figure it out. Other games, let's see. Where else can I go? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Everton get the win, their first win of the season. Big win for Frank. I think I'm coming around on Frank. I thought he was a terrible coach. But I might be wrong. He's got something there at Everton that's working. He's saying the right things. He said something that really connected with me is that the team needs to play the way the supporters feel about the team so a lot of energy a lot of passion you know get those home wins and Everton is going to be fine but I think they've actually put together quite a good team now that I wasn't sure would be there I think the Iwobi thing is a big deal Mopay's there now they actually have a person who can call themselves striker um I like I loved Connor Cody and Tarkovsky. I've had some conversations. I never understand why these teams don't kind of get these regular defensive defenders. Like you look at 
Newcastle getting Dan Byrne. You see Ben Mee goes to Brentford. Tarkovsky and Cody going to Everton. These are just defenders who won't take any shit. They won't fuck around. If the ball's in the way, they hoof it. And I think Tarkovsky and Cody are just, you're just not going down. Like you just, there's no way um, your team is going to be in trouble when you have real rugged, put a shift in guys who play for your team. Uh, The one player I also noticed that was really good for Everton was young Nathan Patterson there. Um, right fullback, really, really good. So between Mikolenko and Patterson, they've got legs that can run up and down. This team's good. This team's good. I have a lot of faith now in uh, Everton. They're not going anywhere. And Ghana and Adrisa Gay and the whole thing seems to be fine. On the other side is is West Ham. I don't think West Ham's in trouble. I don't think there's any problems with West Ham. But... You know, they got to start winning. Uh, they lost that early game against Forrest. It's really killed them where they, they took like 35 shots. Uh, they are doing okay in Europe. But Moyes has to integrate people. We're getting nothing from Bowen. Nothing's coming from Antonio. Uh, things are just a little bit weird. Nothing from Bowen. Nothing from Antonio. They're just not able to score. They're not scoring any goals. Like, it's just not, it's just not firing right now. And I think with all that they've spent, especially all the attacking players... <laughs> West Ham have got to get better and soon. It's early. Um, I mean, even even when you're 20 games in, you're always two wins away from being safe. So I'm not worried about West Ham, but it's concerning. Like, come on, let's go. Get it going. Uh, Let's look at their XG difference. West Ham, West Ham, West Ham, where are they? West Ham are mid-table based on XG difference, but XG is not where they score. They're just not scoring. They have a expected goals of six but have only scored three, expected goals against of seven but given up nine. So things are going against their favor. They'll get there. But it's been bad luck, so they'll turn it around. I'm I'm less worried about them than other teams. You know, they did get beat by Brighton. No one scored more than one goal. They just need to get some goals, some nice, easy wins. And I expect that they will. It's just, you know, let's go. Let's go. And then, like I said, for Everton uh, and Frank Lampard, they're in good shape. That draw, that nil-nil against Liverpool really made a difference for them. And they can sort of feel good getting their first win. <clears throat> now they can say they're on an unbeaten run because they have four draws in a row. So they are in good shape. There was one last game. Aston Villa, Southampton. So terrible that I don't want to talk about it. All that matters is that Gerard got the win. There was a weird goal. It was offside, but... Not quite. Uh, Ramsey scores it. Otherwise, this game was an abomination. No one will remember it. No one should remember it. It was terrible. 
11 shots for Villa, seven for Southampton. Southampton had no shots on target, and Villa had three. Just bad all around. Terrible game. Now, I do want to give a shout-out to Mings and Konza in defense for Aston Villa. So they get a clean sheet. They're starting to put their players in the right places. So defensively, they're getting themselves together. But, you know, nothing to write home about here. Villa get their win. They're not scared. They're, you know, we were worried about Gerard for five minutes, but not so much anymore. Okay. In other news, before I wrap this up, my beloved Brighton have hired ex-Sassuolo coach, Mr. Roberto Di Zerbi. He, according to James Horncastle of Italian football fame and uh, uh, the Totally Football Show and the European Totally Football Show, is in love with the man. So James Horncastle covers Italy, <clears throat> loves him. Uh, he takes a lot of stick in Italy for playing this wild, open, passing style. I did my TIFO IRL on it. He's basically a, a, an Italian version of Potter. Started at the very low levels, believes in attacking football, has all these kind of things. It's the perfect managerial hire for Brighton. A young, dynamic manager who plays attractive football, wants to play out from the back, you know, got to swallow. Let me see if I can get their little club history here. Should have done a little bit more preparation, but we'll have a look at it in a second. Sassuolo, where are you? Okay. Sassuolo. Here we go. Sassuolo. Let's see. Their next match is versus Salernitana. He got them to finish eighth. Um, he developed uh, Domenico Berardi and Caputo. Uh, the striker, Gianluca Scamaca, who now plays for West Ham, came from Sassuolo. Uh, he had them in plus goal difference territory. So scored, amazingly, scored 60, gave up 60. I mean, giving up 60 goals is a fuck ton. That is a lot. But they play attacking football and they give up goals. So we shall see what um, what he brings to the table. Um, it probably takes some time. But I don't think, you know, Brighton are in any rush. I don't know if my love affair for Brighton will continue under Deserbi, But we'll see. Keep an eye on that and uh, see where we go from there. Okay. I'm going to wrap this up again because my throat is going but I will give everyone credit. I made it to 40 minutes by myself. <laughs> Mike will be back hopefully soon. Maybe he just needed a mental break from all the craziness around football. Anyway, that was the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast. Mike Slayer and Laurent Cortines. We are the football wing of the Chop Sports Network. We record on Mondays and Thursdays. So be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It means the world to us. And if you're listening on Apple, please rate and review the show. And thank you to FanHub. We love you.